Welcome to Attenuation, a weekly podcast where two friends come together to drink beer, discuss beer styles and trends, and just generally ruminate on the meaning of life, aka beer. If you enjoy your time with us, we invite you to become a weekly listener and subscribe to the podcast. Without further ado, here is this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to episode 17 of Attenuation, a beer podcast. My name is Jason, and I'm joined by my best friend since eighth grade. That's Steven. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about something else, and then I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> Usually I have to like sit here ready to do it. And yeah, we had it, we had it down on 16, so <laughs> we, can't, we can't backtrack now. All right. So today we're going to talk about home brewing and some home brewing adventures that we both participated in. But of course, before we get into any of that, we have to do the best part of the podcast, and that's drinking beer. Drinking beer is a love it. (laughs) So I will introduce my beer, give some nose notes, and I'll pass it over to Stephen. So I have today a beer from Other Half Brewing, and that's they're based out of New York. And this is Vapor Rings. So this is a New England style IPA, and it's 8.4%. And I have loved everything I've had from other half. So I'm very excited about this one. It is pouring. Pretty opaque. And it's like my favorite color. Yeah, beer, it's your favorite color of beer. It's that opaque. It's yellowish orange. And it has a really thick, nice head that's kind of lacing up the side of the glass. Yeah, the malt is not going to get in the way of the hops on that. No, huh? Ooh, it smells really good. There's a lot of tropical, pineapple, just tropical flavors, maybe a little mango. And then it is kind of dank, too. Getting some of that, those dank hop notes. That's about all so far, but maybe I'll have more to add later. So I'll pass it to you while I indulge. Sounds good. Hey, <laughs> it was really funny. I was at a restaurant the other morning uh, for breakfast, and uh, I got a glass of orange juice, and <laughs> I stuck my nose in it, and I was smelling it. And my wife was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm just trying to like have my aroma palette learn like what orange smells like without the flavor. That's a good idea. I'm going to start yeah. doing that. My wife will think I'm equally crazy. Yeah, so I'm trying to like increase my like the number of like smells I have in my head. Yeah, like or smelling them in isolation. Yeah, yeah. that's a good idea. So. Right, I'm going to start. I'm going to start. <laughs> All right, so I will introduce my beer. This one is called Go Ask Your Father. It is a ambrosia sour. It is brewed with Pilsner malt, wheat, pineapple, orange, cherry, marshmallow, and coconut. So should be good. They are modeling this after the ambrosia salad. It is brewed by Casita Brewing in Wilson, North Carolina. It is 8%, so it's no joke. That's pretty high for that. Uh, that's not what I would imagine that style of beer. Yeah, having. but like a wheat sour. Yeah. Usually those hang around 5%. So it's pouring a very um, blood orange-ish kind of. Like like if you were to add blood orange to a beer, uh, it has that like sort of tint of red, which is probably from the cherries. Oh, the color is gorgeous. Yeah, it's a really cool sort of reddish orange. Uh, no head whatsoever. <laughs> very, very effervescent and just gone. I definitely get the orange. I've <laughs> trained my nose for that. <laughs> After your recent experience, yeah. <laughs> I get the coconut. 
And a little bit of the pineapple, not strong, but a little bit on the nose. So pineapple, orange, coconut for sure. Not really cherry or marshmallow. So I've gotten a few of the flavors on the nose. Orange is probably the strongest and coconut, orange and coconut for sure. I will dive into this. All right, uh, perfect. Okay, so this Vapor Rings is very good. It's really sweet initially, and I, I get a ton of pineapple, and then I'm almost getting like orange rind. And then there's just really dank hops that just coat your mouth. And then um, it's dr- like drying my mouth out too. So it has like, it's very dry almost like, and then it has a really long finish. And I'm almost getting like strawberry on the finish. Oh, nice. It's, it's crazy. And that, like, really long, hoppy finish. And then, yeah, I'm almost getting, like, berries at the end. Definitely I, a thumbs up on this one. I really like it. Nice. I love when I get strawberry out of, a, out of the hops. Yeah, it's only at the end there. Like, I can, even now that you mentioned it, I, I feel like I could, it's it's really dry. Like, it's drying my mouth out like crazy. So, it's really interesting. I like it. And 8.4% too. So, yeah, it's a strong one. And okay, no cool. alcohol. Like, I'm not detecting any alcohol, which awesome. I, I, I always prefer that. Um, yeah, so definitely a good one. Cool. Yeah, other half for the win. Yeah, of course. I haven't really gone. <laughs> no, yeah, I haven't really gone wrong with them, so not surprised cool well i've tasted mine sufficiently i think too so i'm getting uh, a mild sourness i'm getting a lot of pineapple so the pineapple's coming through a lot more in the flavor than in the aroma the sourness is very much like eating fresh pineapple just that little like tang on mm. your on your tongue you know like when you eat too much you kind of burn your mouth that kind of sourness but it's not it's not overwhelming so a little pineapple and pineapple sourness and a cherry that runs through it but it's kind of um it's kind of like a maraschino cherry like a syrupy cherry flavor and then um the marshmallow actually is in the finish all in the finish uh, in the back of the throat just um kind of sitting there like a nice creaminess feel to the beer but also like yours mine is very dry surprisingly it's kind of sweet like it's a sweet beer with all those fruits but um but it is ending very dry that sounds awesome like, yeah it's, it's pretty good and it's eight percent and zero zero alcohol flavor huh that's really cool it sounds like they pulled it off yeah it's um very good i had never heard of this casita brewing i think this is one i just got on uh tabor but it's a win it's a winner nice two thumbs up so start of a good a good episode <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Do we drink well, bad beer on here? Yeah, uh, I think, well... we've had a few bad ones. Remember that one that was I could barely even drink? Yeah, so you had that one. It was the barrel-aged... Um, <laughs> oh, the barrel-aged one, I yeah, didn't like that one. The barrel-aged, the Lady Marmalade or whatever. You really liked the non-barrel-aged one. Yeah, yeah. But the you Reagan. didn't like the barrel-aged one. I liked the Miss Marmalade. I didn't like the Lady Marmalade. Yeah. Yes. And then I think I've had a couple that... I'm so positive... <laughs> I have trouble saying something is bad, but I've definitely had some that I'm like, eh, I don't think I gave thumbs up to. We should be keeping like a record. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, um, we technically have a record. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are we recording this? <laughs> Wait, did you hit record? Oh, good. Okay. I see it up in the corner there. <laughs> yeah, I guess I could go through. Maybe I'll do that. It'd be kind of cool. Uh, we can have a record of everything we taste it in. We can give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. But yeah, we've, we've done so far so good, I think. Yeah, we don't usually pick bad beer. <laughs> okay, cool. So one of these days I'm just going to be like, uh, today I'm drinking Coors Light. It's brewed in Colorado. <laughs> and you just got to try to keep a straight face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I won't it's, be able to. It's not going to work. Yeah. No. All right, cool. So beer drinking is underway. We can go into 
Oh, so for our beer news segment, you have a personal story because you went on a little bit of a beer adventure. Yeah, so in lieu of like a beer news story, I thought I would just report back. The last few days, actually, I just flew in back in today. I've been in Idaho, where my brother lives, so we've been visiting family there. And uh, my brother actually asked me, hey, while you're up here, do you want to go to any breweries? I was like, yeah, sure. I mean, I've never heard of Idaho being known for its craft beer. But I started actually following a couple on Instagram a few weeks ago when I was trying to find some breweries up there. And my brother lives fairly close to Twin Falls, Idaho. So I found one there that was open the day that we, the night that we wanted to go out. And it was called Kodo Brew. K-O-T-O. And I looked at the tap list, I think, briefly, but I didn't really know much going in. Followed, like I said, followed them on Instagram for a few weeks. Um, they looked like a fun place. It ended up being a really, really good experience, like awesome experience. Our waitress was cool. And looking over the tap list, it was kind of interesting. So they had their own stuff. Uh, they had like a couple IPAs, a hazy, a double IPA. Uh, they had their own lager, their own amber and then a porter you know they kind of covered the gamut of the the normal styles and they did them all well i tasted most of them the only one i really didn't care for was their blonde ale uh but everything else was fantastic the porter was very good and uh the double ipa was my favorite it's called disco leg but the atmosphere was great but the the really cool thing about the tap list, so other than Kodo's own brews, they had a bunch of other stuff on tap. They had some ciders on tap, and they had a bunch of bottle stuff. And I'm looking at this menu thinking, holy crap, these guys know their beer. They had Firestone's Parabola available. They had a couple things from Fremont, both on tap and in a bottle. They actually had a Fremont, uh, it's called Fremont 5000. It's a barley wine, and I so wanted to try it, but you had to buy the bottle. and It was a 22-ounce bottle. That's a big commitment. Yeah. Nobody, nobody <laughs> at the table was going to share that with me either. So. Yeah, if I was there, I would have drank it with you. Yeah, so we didn't do that, but the Parabola is only a 12-ounce bottle, and that was plenty. Other than the three people with me tasting it, like taking a sip and tasting it, I drank that whole thing, and that was a lot. Like, yeah. we could have easily shared that four ways, like, four, evenly four ways, and all been, like, satisfied and sipped on it for a while. Like, it is so, such a complex beer. Uh, it's like drinking a whiskey in a way. Like, you just mm-hmm. kind of sip on it and enjoy all the the complexity of flavors stuff oh 100 and it's super strong so <laughs> do you, i don't even recall it like off the top of my head but i feel like it's it's in the two digit ab yeah it was like 13.6 yeah. or something like that yeah yeah definitely um had a little kick to it that's awesome that, they had all that stuff yeah they just had they had a great divide i just had some really cool stuff like legit stuff on tap and in bottles, as well as their their amazing brews. So, and they had a band that came and was playing all these cool cover songs, and it was just a really really fun atmosphere. Like I said, great service, and they, you know, of course, I hate talking to people, but I guess you get a your whole bottle of Parabola in me. <laughs> I like to talk a little more, so I was just like chatting up the waitress with like you know that I told her we had a beer podcast. <laughs> what you think about that? Yeah, she, she thought it was cool. She asked me what the name of it was, and I said attenuation, and I knew she would never remember that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Yeah, it's not the most uh, easy to recall name, I think. But no, it was just, it was really fun. Very fun. So good times at Coda Brewing in Twin Falls. If you're ever in the area, check it out. All right, cool. That's good advice. And it's cool. They have some, a place like that. that that's really cool. I went to, we, me and my wife went, before we were married, actually, went to Monterey. And uh, I'm not going to remember what it's called, but there was a very similar kind of setup. It was uh, like a restaurant brewery and they made like four or five beers but then they just had a bunch of stuff on tap and they actually had bottles too and it was such a fun experience because we like tried one of their beers that they made but then also they have this incredible like tap list and i ended up drinking it's some like monk beer i don't remember what it's called but you know it's like kind of hard to find and it's like super highly rated and they had bottles of it so it was really fun so yeah i think so i know like, exactly what you're talking about actually. oh do you <laughs> <laughs> I've been to that same place. And you know what's really funny is they didn't end up having a like they didn't have anything of their own on tap at the time. I don't know what happened there. Oh, and so we were like we were like, Oh, okay. So I ended up drinking a briny melon because they had that on tap. Nice. Was pretty awesome. Yeah, they have crazy stuff. Like I remember they had um because my wife was super excited, they had um Kelly Creeman on tap and she nice. loves that beer. So it's kinda cool when you get cool stuff like that on tap. Nice. All right. I'll keep that in mind if I'm ever in Idaho. <laughs> You ever, you ever randomly wake up and find yourself yeah, in Southern Idaho? Very low probability, but I'll know exactly what I'm going to do. Awesome. All right, so we can jump into the main topic, which is both kind of just a rundown of like home brewing as a hobby and, and an adventure, and then kind of both of our experiences. Steven is more well-versed in home brewing, but mm. I actually had a, I lived with somebody that home brewed, so... I helped assisted him a number of times, so I've seen I've seen the process, but I've never uh, driven the process on my own. <laughs> yeah, you're you're probably actually more experienced than I am. But <laughs> no, I was just an apprentice. Because <laughs> <laughs> you watched somebody who probably I knew what they were doing. <laughs> uh, me, on the other hand, I have I mean I haven't really been successful. I've been successful basically one time. I think I've made beer every time. Yeah, you've made beer. <laughs> so give us a rundown of like, what do we do if we want to do a homebrew? We'll talk a little bit about like the different methods later. But generally speaking, what you're going to do is you're going to use some sort of mix of grains. Like we talk about occasionally the beer is brewed with wheat or it's brewed with barley. Uh, there's all sorts of different colors and roasts of barley um, but you're using some combination of grains to get sugar the other kind of point i'll I'll just quickly make is that even in your darker beers you usually always use a lighter malt as well a lighter barley like a pilsner malt or something an analogy would be using a white flour in a chocolate cake right those malts are always used usually almost always used as a base universally used as a base and then the other malts uh, like they call them specialty grains usually um, are what end up giving it the color or the like you know the roasted coffee and toffee flavors that kind of stuff that's your sort of sugar side you can also use adjuncts like honey uh, sucrose you can use all sorts of sugars on the front side as well to increase your abv but for the most part, you're going to make essentially sugar water, like mm-hmm. a sugar tea with your grains. Once you have that sugar tea, you have a base for what will end up being fermented. Once you have your sugar tea, you're going to do a boil usually. This is part sterilization, part flavor. 
early hop additions are going to give bitterness and a little bit of flavors and aromas but for the most part bitterness and then you'll have different hop schedules like maybe 30 minutes into the boil you add a certain hop then maybe 50 minutes into the boil you add another hop and 60 minutes you add another hop and that's your 60 minute boil you're going to take that off the heat and cool it as quickly as possible best way to do it is to have a wort chiller it's just like tubing Um, you run cool water through that and it sits in the beer cools it down quickly you want to bring that wort to pitching temperature as quickly as possible so you can't pitch your yeast into boiling hot wort because it will kill it immediately Uh, so you want to get that wort down to a temperature that's safe for your yeast but you also don't want the beer sitting there collecting random stuff out of the air so your beer, your wort, uh, is sterile at the end of the boil. So you want to keep it that way. So you've <laughs> got to bring the temperature down as quickly as possible so that you can pitch the yeast so the yeast can start working and they can overcrowd and outsource any uh, anything else that, that might have fallen into your beer. Because obviously nothing is completely sterile. Yeah, I was going to say it's not going to stay sterile for long. <laughs> so you're, you're giving that yeast a head start. That's funny because... Well, I don't mean to interject, but I remember... Oh, please do. <laughs> the, the first time we, we brewed. Um, I remember this part very vividly because I think we made like... Well, we made like 50 mistakes. But yeah. I think one of the main mistakes we made is... Do you remember we were doing our boil and we were adding... I think we were using an extract. We were yes. Doing a full grain. Yeah. And we never thought about this. So this is... You make a million mistakes and then you learn from them. But when we poured the extract in... I think it's very thick and viscous, so it sunk all the way to the bottom, and it kind of just sat on the bottom. So we were using, basically, we just had a giant gas. It's like a gas stove. What would you call that? Like a Yeah, it's like a burner, a propane yeah, burner. burner. We had a, yeah, we had a giant propane burner, like much bigger than you'd have in your kitchen. We had a big stainless steel pot on there, and we poured, <laughs> we poured the extract in. And without thinking about it, it just kind of all goes right to the bottom of the pan and just sits there. And if anyone has any experience with cooking, <laughs> you'll know <laughs> that there's something just sitting on the very bottom of the pan, getting all that basically direct heat from the burner, it burns. <laughs> so <laughs> and we didn't find this out till much later, but I think right. we burned the crap <laughs> extra. Yeah. And uh, I think partially it was because, so we used a kit. Yes. So like, a lot of beginners will just buy a kit. Um, there's some websites like Northern Brewer. Uh, I can't think of any more off the top of my head, but there's a couple of websites uh, that, that will sell you. Well, it's probably plenty now um, that will sell you a kit. So it's got all the hops. It's got everything that you need basically to brew your beer other than like the actual equipment but all the ingredients and things and it has instructions and i just feel like the instructions were badly written because what i learned is that you should always take the pot off the heat to add the extracts the liquid extracts because again if you don't (laughs) it's gonna burn Uh, so yeah you should always take the pot off the heat and i just felt like the way they wrote the directions they were kind of like backwards like they put the wrong information first and so you would like go okay do this and then you're like oh crap you like keep reading and you're like oh nope we did that wrong because <laughs> they just didn't write the directions correctly so, so i'm gonna blame it on them <laughs> not me. well i remember those directions i remember i was also reading them kind of like over your shoulder and i was just getting confused it's kind of like um i don't know when you get you get like a bicycle or something 
and the directions make no sense. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. just think they were poorly written. So anyway, yeah, we did make that mistake where we burned the liquid extract at the bottom. And really what you're doing there is you're just, I mean, you're full. Well, fewer of those sugars are going to be fermentable. You're also going to impart some like burnt sugar flavors in there. Which can be good, but can also be pretty bad. <laughs> Depends on what you're trying to make. Yeah. <laughs> and we were brewing in amber. Yeah, that's true. So not so the worst. Yeah, yeah, not the worst thing. Like maybe turning it into a brown. <laughs> yeah. Instead of an amber. So yeah, so once you have cooled the wort and you put it, now you're going to put your wort into fermentation vessel. Mm-hmm. Some people use glass vessels. Some people use... Uh, there's a lot of like really nice plastic ones. Really basic kits will come with like a like a you know it's like white sort of PVC ish buckets where you would have like I don't know you would keep like your softballs or baseballs in <laughs> like that kind of like white <laughs> plastic yeah. bucket. But as long as you've sanitized it, it's fine. It doesn't really matter. You're gonna pour, pour your wort in there your cooled wort and then you're going to pitch your yeast you're going to put a lid on it the lid usually has some sort of hole at the top and you put like a little uh it's like the it's a little um stopper with a ball in it and then when i brewed with my buddy he always poured like vodka in it oh really oh, yes like, so like bacteria out? yeah basically like if bacteria or whatever settled in in it it would just die immediately but it's basically just a valve that lets all the because the yeast is going to start eating the sugar and it's going to have a lot of byproduct um, yeah so that co2 the, gas can go out but nothing can go in that kind exactly of you're basically putting a one-way valve on the top and then he had a really cool one yeah and he put vodka in it so oh, that's little, smart. That's little, cool. little tip for you and then you just kind of wait. Um, usually it's about, depending on what beer you're making and, you know, what yeast you're making, all this stuff. But just making your basic brews. It'll take about one to two weeks to complete fermentation. And then, again, depending on what style you're making, sometimes you do a secondary fermentation where you take the wort, you transfer it into another vessel and you let it ferment again for another couple weeks. The main purpose of that is to clarify the beer so more of the stuff will fall out so once you transfer it you leave a lot of the the excess fermentation byproducts and hop byproducts and anything that was like floating in your beer from your hop additions and the the yeast fermentation then when you move it into a new vessel it's going to be clear in general and then you're going to let more stuff fall out uh, and it's just going to clarify the beer so just kind of depends on what style you're making and how clear you want the beer to be Uh, and then that's it and then you kind of have a choice between kegging or bottling it uh if you're bottling it you put it in a bottle with a little bit of sugar uh the easiest way is they have they make these little sugar pellets that you just throw into the bottom of the bottle and then you uh, add the beer to each individual bottle cap it and then it's another couple weeks to let that bottle condition um, so that it recarbonates inside the bottle and then you've got beer and the other way it would be kegging which would be to just put it straight into a keg and then you can uh, carbonate the keg and pour it out of a kegerator or tap Cool. So yeah, that and that's really interesting because that's insight into like what. So bottle conditioning is almost a you're doing a mini refermentation there because you're adding exactly. a little bit more sugar to digest, and then you're because the bottle is sealed, the CO2 has nowhere to go, so then it carbonates the beer. That's really cool. Yeah. And then and then a keg, you're out. You're just adding. You're just adding the CO2, right? Yeah. Kegging is the sort of the fastest 
Well, and, and cleaner and easiest way to start enjoying your beer. Gotcha. And have you done both? I've done both, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what has your experience been bottling versus kegging? Oh, I much prefer kegging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hate waiting. If I had okay. to pick one thing I hate most in this world, it's waiting. Waiting at red lights. <laughs> waiting like behind somebody at the ATM who apparently, I don't know, keeps checking their balance or something, hoping that, that it will change. <laughs> <laughs> or um, <laughs> should I go on about how much I hate waiting? No, waiting you're... each week to record the podcast again. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I hate waiting. So instant gratification is my friend. You were born and... at the you were born at the right time. Yeah. For, right. For oh my god. Gratification. Amazon Prime, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you would have greatly like. I had to wait two days. What? Seventeen hundred. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for the like, telegram or my my letter. For my lover. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, um, I like being able to just immediately keg my beer, force carbonate it. And you can even do even that, like you can force carbonate it versus like you could overnight carbonate it, kind of slow carbonate it. But of course, I like to force carbonate and <laughs> start drinking my beer right away. It's weird. Like, I never actually thought about this until this moment. But now, like, the romantic in me is like, I only want to drink a bottle conditioned beer because it's like, I don't know, there's something about the carbonation being like a natural byproduct of the beer. That's so cool. Instead of like, I mean, it really doesn't matter, but yeah, it's kind of cool when like the beer is producing its own carbonation versus it cool. force carbonating it. Yeah. Yeah, it is cool. But yeah, just even the process, too, of sanitizing every single bottle individually. Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. And then filling each bottle individually. Depending on, like, what kind of, like, what your equipment set up and stuff, it just makes it very, very, very difficult to fill each bottle and then cap them. And you're just trying to keep everything clean and sanitary. And it's just so, it's, it's a lot. There's a lot more surface area for error, I feel. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's cool. So, um, yeah, that's like a basic rundown of the entire process. So you talked about extract versus all grain. And I know we've done extract, but I've actually, I have experience brewing with my old roommate. And he was a savage. <laughs> he did all grain brewing. So he kind of added, he sort of added a bunch of steps. He actually made his own mill. He found uh, these two basically like rolling wheels online. And then he purchased an electric motor and he built his own little mill where he could actually increase or decrease the distance between the two rollers because you can kind of control. Basically, you're going to buy a bunch of grain and then uh, I'm going to fail on a technical term for it, but you mill it basically where you're going to put it through this. mill and then you want it to crack the grain because you want to expose what's inside to the water so you can get the sugar out but you don't want to crush it like completely so there's a whole art there of like the the width between the two uh, rollers so he would actually do that process so that was crazy so then you're buying your grain bill like individually and you mix it up and then you're putting it all through the uh, the mill basically and then you're doing your um adding your water and doing your that would be called mash mash right so 
what's nice if you do and i i think for me if i was going to we're going to do my own i would definitely start with just doing the extract <laughs> because you get to skip all those steps and those require like not only do they require additional steps and expertise but they require a lot of additional equipment um that you just wouldn't need but he had been doing this for a while so he had started i think i could be wrong but i think he started an extract but he kind of wanted to get to the point where he was doing like the whole process and um the funny thing is is like he wasn't and i, I kind of wanted to touch on this is like it's this whole hobby that's adjacent to craft beer i feel but it's like a it's a venn diagram like the overlap is not perfect because the funny thing for him was like he really liked process engineering and so his hobby was more process engineering and less beer he just really liked to one he wanted to like design a process and then crap you know brew the beer and then refine the process so like isolate mistakes and then edit them out of the process so the process is getting better and better so it's kind of cool because it's like it's a whole it's a different hobby like he's still getting beer at the end of it but for him improving the process was very interesting more so than like obviously the end result is a result of the process but yeah it was really cool so he was always kind of tweaking things or refining things to get a better end product but his real interest was in getting the process good and we his roommates drank most of the beer <laughs> so it was really hey that's weird. that's a yeah that's a perfect situation yeah it was a symbiotic yeah. relationship <laughs> that's great um yeah you know what's really funny is that when you kind of research home brewing online and you're trying to get like help and tips and you know you're watching youtube videos and stuff it's really interesting because it's mostly a lot of that information is geared toward all grain brewing and if you're like trying to find a recipe for a beer or something a lot of it is all grain and it's not always easy to figure out how to convert that to a extract recipe some will like give you both to tell you like if you're doing extract use this or but not always the bad thing about that is for me i don't think i ever want to all grain brew and that's just really because i just don't really want to have all that extra equipment and have all that extra hassle i like the process of home brewing and i feel like for me in terms of the my craft beer hobby i want to at least be able to explain the process and understand the process of how beer is made so that's kind of what drives me to home brew i've said before it does not save you any money really <laughs> uh, it takes so much equipment and work and you know you you don't you can't really guarantee that you're going to have a great beer at the end too. And then you also have a lot of beer that a lot of beer, one style, and maybe it's like a mediocre <laughs> beer. And it's like, are you really going to drink all of that beer before it goes bad? You know? So. Yeah, that's a good point. You're committing to a lot when you're making it. Yeah. Unless you're like brewing it for like an event and you're going to have everybody come drink it or something like that. You're going to have a lot of friends over. Other than that, it's like, wait. And when you when you think about it, you're like, I'm going to have to drink two pints of this every night for like three <laughs> months straight. You're going to definitely get <laughs> sick of it. I don't care how good it is. Yeah. Um. So, but that's, I. what you said there is really interesting and I didn't actually know this, but what you're talking about is like, um. so if you go online, if you have a favorite beer and you go online, you can find, I think they're referred to as clones, 
But people will basically try to reverse engineer the grain bill and the hop additions so that you can try to make a beer that you really like. So I actually didn't know that that's more difficult to do if you're not doing full grain brewing. So when you are ordering extracts, I guess those are targeted towards more general styles, but obviously they're not targeted toward like specific beers from a specific brewery. If you want to get that deep and that nuanced, I guess you do have to go full grain. Yes. Yep. And um, again, I maybe one day I will get there. Maybe one day I'll really want to expand my process to include all grain brewing. I just think that's maybe farther down the path of I'm a home brewer and not just a craft beer enthusiast because, um, like you said, that Venn diagram does not completely overlap. And I just not quite there. Well, and that's okay. Like in that Venn diagram, I'm all the way over in the circle that just says <laughs> drinking beer, like as far as you can get from the other circle that says brewing beer, because <laughs> I have zero interest. But I do have a lot of fun, like watching. I had fun watching my old roommate brew beer. I had fun helping you brew beer because it is cool to try to understand the process more. Um, but ultimately, I just want to enjoy the end product because I know that <laughs> I'm not good at it. And like, I do recognize that it's like all things. Like, if you want to get good at something. You just have to do it over and over and over again. And then you refine that process and you learn from your mistakes. And so the distance between me homebrewing a good beer and where I am right now is a, it, I, I recognize that's a huge gulf. And I don't really want to dedicate the time to do that when I can just go to Total Wine and buy, buy, you know, buy beers from people who have invested that time in mastering that process. Yeah, exactly. It is one of those things like you just have to kind of decide, you know, you have to decide that you're going to commit time and resources to something and, you know, you can commit time and resources to craft beer in general and drinking beer and learning about new beer styles and stuff like that without ever even stepping foot into the homebrew world. It's that really a whole said, other path. Yeah, it's a totally different path. That being said, I think if you are interested in craft beer, you should at least one time like order one of those kits offline and do it because your connection to the process and your understanding of beer, it will just level up like right away. It suddenly you'll be like, oh, okay. You'll kind of, once you've seen the whole process unfold, it makes so much more sense. So I would recommend doing it at least once or figuring out if you have a friend that homebrews and just say, hey, like, can I come over and assist you? And it's a fun process. It takes like all day, but you can just kind of hang out and drink beers while you're making beer and... <laughs> It's a lot of hurrying up and waiting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you you forget that like a 60-minute boil, like you literally have to sit there and watch this thing boil for 60 minutes because, the, you know, the minute you look away, you know what happens? Freaking boils over like every time. Every time you look away, it will boil over. So don't ever look away. Yeah, so you actually really want a friend over to like help you yeah. kill those hours that right. uh, arise during the process. <laughs> so from here, we'll talk about a few of the mistakes I've made because, well, let me tell you about the, because uh, really there's only a couple of experience I've had home brewing. The first one was with you, that one where we burnt the sugar. That was <laughs> really kind of the main mistake. Uh, that was the one I bottled as well. Okay. Yeah. And it was just a really, really strenuous process. But two weeks later, I had a beer. The hardest part about that first time I homebrewed was I still was kind of learning, like, 
what style of beer I liked and still trying to get into different styles of craft beer. And I mainly brewed an amber just because it was like a very easy style to brew and my wife liked ambers and I just thought like oh we're gonna have a bunch of beers you know I want that uh, I want something that maybe we'll, we'll drink when I tried it I didn't like it uh, I really I think a lot of those burnt flavors came through maybe that's what made the beer bad uh, I don't know whether if I tried it right now I would think differently or the same about it but I for sure did not think it looked it tasted good uh, and it definitely looked a lot darker than I thought it was going to be because I think of those burnt sugars uh, the other reason that the beer can be darker uh, and I don't know if we want to talk about this now but the full boil versus partial boil most of the time when you're home brewing, you're making a five gallon batch. That's kind of your basic home brew batch amount. So a partial boil is where you use about three gallons of water during your boil and all your hop additions and all that stuff. And that's just because really equipment wise, you're just using a smaller vessel. You just figure that if you're home brewing and you're at the beginner stage, your equipment is small. And so, um, you're doing like a three gallon boil and then once your boil is done you add distilled water to bring it up to five gallons so there's a couple gallons of water that didn't go through the boil process oh okay you're cheating a couple of gallons in and you're mm-hmm. using distilled water because you know that's sterile yes okay yeah you want to add sterile water to the beer for sure if you can't the problem with that though is when you add those malt extracts especially the liquid it cooks for 60 minutes, it's going to brown up and it's going to brown up even more in a three gallon boil as opposed to doing a five or six gallon boil. Um, so your, your beer is going to be darker. Like It's going to be darker in color, like may not darker in flavor, but darker in color for sure, because those malts are going to present their color more in the more concentrated wort. The other thing, too, is if you and this is I didn't even know, like this is the problem with like a lot of these beer kits that were the instructions are bad and there's just a lot of information you just don't know but really you don't actually have to add your malts in until pretty late in the boil if you want you just really you want them to be sterile but other than that you're just adding especially extract brewing you're just adding sugar to the water it doesn't matter as long as it's sterile at the end so if you don't really want to like quote unquote cook your malt extracts and get too much color out of them you just add them really late in the boil just take the water off the thing so you don't burn them take the water off the heat put them in and then put them right back on and bring it back up to boiling and you know over the last 20 minutes of the boil and then you you don't get too much of that color so that's something they don't really teach you about extract brewing that it's really good to know (laughs) (laughs) well you saved a bunch of people uh, (laughs) on a burnt a burnt uh, beer i have started so early on i was doing partial boils I've moved now to a bigger vessel so I can do a full full boil because I want the color to be true to what I what I'm making, and it's just easier and less chance of adding in something you don't want in there by adding un right. you know unboiled water. Yeah, like, if all the water's been boiled, at least you know it's sterile. The other things too I wish I'd known is um, they have these pop baskets, so it's like a a thin wire basket that you can put your hops in and then you drop that into the water and so you'll get a lot of the oils and stuff but you don't get a lot of the extra material because when i the last time i brewed i did a hazy ipa which of course is going to be hazy there's going to be like 
material floating in it, but there was too much. Even by the time I had drained a bunch off, once I put it in the keg, it clogged up my keg, all that stuff. Clogged up the oh, tube. no. So I ended up having to, like... It was too hazy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so if I had used a hot basket, it would have been better because I wouldn't have had so much hot material left in my fermentation. So that's a good thing. Hot baskets for sure. Or even any sort of like grain bag, like a tea bag kind of thing. Just add your hop pellets in that and put that in just to keep from having too much random material in the beer. I'm trying to think of the other things, other mistakes I've made. That, well, and that, that was a kind of a big one was that keg being clogged up because then I had to try to like get the beer back out of the keg, clarify it a little bit and then put it back in the keg and just too many transfers. You know? <laughs> yeah, this doesn't sound fun. Yeah, like it's just too many transfers and too many things to try and keep sterile during that whole process and it was a mess. But the beer came out pretty good. It was a decent hazy IPA. Uh it just didn't last very long and I think probably because, you know, during all those transfers and things I probably introduced something that shouldn't have been in there and ended up spoiling the beer later. But my second attempt was with you. I think we did an amber again. Yeah, we, I think we corrected some of the mistakes of the past. Yeah, and you know what? The, <laughs> oh, we made the, other mistakes. <laughs> well, the downfall of that one was that I was very much gung-ho about getting a kegerator. Okay. Because I did not want to go through the bottling process again. Right. So I was like, I'm going to get a kegerator. So we had like brewed and then it was like fermentation, right? So we're like a week out from either bottling or kegging. And the whole time I'm like, I, I want a kegerator. I got to figure this out. I got to do all this stuff. And like, I got to get kegs. And it was just this huge process of learning like what kegs I needed and what connections and tubing I needed and all this stuff, and which kegerator I was going to buy. And by the time I did all that and figured out, like, what I wanted to do, I had, like, just left the beer so long because, like, I was indecisive about bottling it or kegging it. And so I think I just let it go too long. And then I was like, oh, crap, I need to bottle this because I don't have the keg. And the bottling process was just hurried and it was bad. So what you're saying is before, <laughs> before you brew <laughs> Make sure you know what you're going to do <laughs> yeah. with it at the end. <laughs> if it's going into kids or a bottle, that's really funny. Yeah, but I think our brew process in general before that was much better. Yeah, I think we did take it off the heat when we added the mm-hmm. um, extract, so didn't burn it that time. <laughs> I think we did that on the eve of going to the beer festival, too. Is that right? Yeah, we were that's like awesome. going to fly out the next day. That was pretty we were, exciting. We were really nerding out about beer. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the process of gathering ingredients to brew a goza. Oh, interesting. So now what twist is there in the goza? Are you going to... How I am you... not going to kettle sour. I was about to ask, are you going to kettle sour? You're not going to kettle sour. I'm not going to kettle sour. I am going to use acidulated malts. Okay. So it's malts that have a little bit of lactic acid on them. So then when you use them in the grain bill... They will not only impart some sugars, but they will also impart acid. Okay, so they're like pre-soured, basically. So you don't have to worry about, yeah. Oh, that's really cool. I didn't know that was an option. Yeah, so that's kind of the other, like that's the first sheet. The second sheet would be just to add lactic acid straight to the, I mean, technically you could add the lactic acid straight to the beer, like 
as you put it in the keg. Oh, okay. Yeah. If you want. Like it doesn't matter when you add it. Doesn't it. really matter when you add that, yeah. So for your goza, are you also adding salt? Yes. Are you doing a fancy? Are you using like Himalayan salt? <laughs> Uh, I will just use a large grain. Wait, what is it called? Is that a grain? A grain of salt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah probably. Yeah, a grain of salt, okay. Like a grain of sand? Yeah. You're doing like a sea salt then? Yeah, like a large sea salt. Yeah, you got to do something cool. If you were dogfish head, <laughs> you, would, you couldn't use like normal salt. No, no, use, like, no. Yeah, space black, salt. Black yeah, this is salt, salt. we scraped yeah. off a meteorite. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they always okay. use the weirdest stuff. Yeah. Okay, but you'll just be using large grain salt. Yeah, like a big, like a high quality sea salt. It it can't have iodine in it, you know. No non iodized salt. I'm gonna use coriander. Right. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna make a straight goza. I think I'm just gonna make it really plain. So just coriander salt. A very that those go in about ten minutes at towards the end of the boil. At the very beginning of the boil, I'll do one hop addition of like a German Hollertau hop, which is just a really mild double hop. Gives it about seven IBUs, and that's about it. So just one early hop addition of noble hops, and then 10 minutes before the boil. So like a 60-minute boil, 10 minutes before the boil ends, I'll do coriander and salt. And the malt extracts will be partial like white pilsner malt and wheat. Nice. So that's your basic goza. Mm-hmm. Okay, you have to perfect that, and then we're gonna, we'll make a really fancy one. We'll make like a gin goza or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I was toying with the idea of maybe doing like a fruit, putting like watermelon in it, or. I, don't I think know, you something. need to follow the rule of cheese pizza, and you just need to perfect the base. Yeah. Before you get too fancy. And that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, you're, too many variables. I'm, yeah, once. I'm trying yeah. to take out, <laughs> taking out ways that I can screw it up. <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't want to do too many things at once. That's why I'm not kettle souring too, because I was like, that sounds like I'm gonna screw it up. <laughs> yeah. And I really want to like make a good beer. Yeah, master the basic goza, and then you can add one add one variable at a time. So maybe next time you make it and you kettle sour it, and if you get that down, the next time you make it, you can add like crazy fruit. Yeah, and I found a basic recipe. It's um that gave me exact extract ingredients as well so excited to try that out nice that sounds perfect all right we're gonna have to revisit we're gonna have to do an episode or at least a beer news about the results of your goza brew i mean we'll see can you, <laughs> if, put, you don't, if you don't ever have if we don't ever have an episode about the goza i brewed that means it sucked <laughs> and we're just okay, not talking about we're it we're only gonna talk about it if it's good yeah, yeah. Can you bottle condition one bottle and put the rest in a keg and then mail me the bottle? Yeah, I can. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'll taste it and I'll give it. I'll Isn't it illegal it. to send beer in the mail? Oh, okay, don't do that then. <laughs> I'll drive over and get. It must not be illegal, but I'm not really sure how that works. No, I don't. I don't think it's illegal, but like people beer trade all the time. I think it's against like basically the terms of service of most of the carriers. So if they figure out that you're shipping beer, they're supposed to, like, throw it out. Or more likely, they're going to just confiscate it and drink it. I think that's the case. It could be illegal, though. So this is not ta- this is not um, legal advice. Yeah, please, please don't, don't take your legal advice. Consult your attorney <laughs> and your local please, laws. Please consult the internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't listen to us. For but very good advice. If it's 100% legal, you should mail me one.
Okay. And then I'll drink it on an episode of the podcast, and I'll give it a thumbs down. <laughs> no, just kidding. I'm sure it'll oh, be awesome. ouch. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm sorry. Don't mean to end on an insult. This is just jokes. But yeah, um, we, uh, we make fun of each other. <laughs> Do you have any other like tips or lessons learned for somebody if they want to try to homebrew on their own for the first time? So I would say buy a kit. Read through the instructions a couple times before you start. Yes. Like, thoroughly through. Don't be um, reading while you're boiling <laughs> yeah don't like do it as you're going like make sure you read through the instructions a couple times but you can get like really some of the small kits that have like a small fermenter that's i think you can make like a two gallon batch or something like a small batch you know like the process as i said the process is easy like it's a simple thing like beer is simple you, know, you take water you put sugar in the water you ferment that sugar with yeast and then you bottle it, you carbonate it somehow like that's it like, that's the pure process so it's very easy when you get like really into it, it becomes very difficult to make like really, really good beer. But you can make beer. And like really, <laughs> you'll see that a lot too on like forums of like, oh, what if I do this or can I do this or this? And the response from the the, the pro or whatever is always like, you're going to have beer at the end. Like most likely you're going to have some sort of beer at the end. Like maybe it's not that good or... <laughs> You know, but like you're gonna have beer if it if you make sugar water and you put yeast in it, you're gonna have beer at the end. So just if you're gonna get into the hobby, like embrace the process and enjoy that it's a simple process and that you can like it can be very complicated if you want. And just find your level of complicated that you want and brew the beer right there. And then as you learn more and may, and fix your mistakes and stuff, you if you want to take the hobby further, move into more complicated brewing styles. But Again, I don't know if I'll ever move into all grain brewing. I think I'll just kind of try and find my happy spot in the extract brewing world. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's good advice. I'll definitely have to try. I might have to do a kit and at least try to do it on my own at least once just to appreciate the process. But <laughs> like you said, I, I don't, it's not for me, but <laughs> it's definitely cool. And I, I definitely appreciate people that can do it. It's pretty fascinating to be able to pull that off. But yeah, like you said, it's it's as complex as you want it to be. And it's really that mastery of making a really good beer and then being able to scale up to where you're actually producing an amount that you can sell. That's very impressive. Cause well, and then even all the like chemistry of like your specific gravity and pH and all that stuff, mastering that and also managing the temperature of everything. Because I don't do that. Like after once I'm fermenting, like it's just in a closet, like in my house. And that's the temperature it's going to ferment at. Like I don't manage actively manage the temperature of the fermentation which obviously brewers are doing you know right yeah they're not gonna just leave it as a chance <laughs> yeah so there's like things that like you can get, you can complicate or make harder or you can just make beer like kind of the old-fashioned way just just home brewing yeah <laughs> brewing it in a closet in your house <laughs> that's cool though it's as complex or as simple as you want it to be Nice. All right. Well, that, I think we we covered that topic. And if Stephen makes a good beer, then we'll talk about it in the future. And if he makes a bad beer, we'll just never talk about it again. If you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just so you know, I I like if you were if you were hoping to get on this podcast and learn everything there is to know about home brewing, you got on the wrong podcast because I don't yeah. know Jack. <laughs> <laughs> but we've tried. You've but tried. But we tried it enough times that I know. 
and you can, definitely you can speak to mistakes. it and know some of the, the mistakes. Yeah, I know all the mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> no, you mistakes. don't know all of them. <laughs> but you know a good deal. <laughs> That's <of them>. true. <sighs> all right. Well, if you want to reach out to us, you can reach us at a couple places. We do have an Instagram where we have over 40 followers. And that's attenuation.podcast. And if you want to email us a little bit more directly, you can email us at contact.attenuation at gmail.com. And I think that's it for this episode 17 of Attenuation. So my name is Jason, and I'm joined by my best friend since eighth grade. That's Steven. And you almost messed that up. I think that's me. (laughs) (laughs) I think I stole your line. Oh, man, I need a script for the outro now, too. Anyways, it's Jason and Steven. Yeah, let's go. Banter, banter, banter. Scene. And and that's the end of the episode. (laughs) We will see you next time. Cheers and farewell. All right. Cheers, buddy. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Attenuation, a beer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And follow us on Instagram or Facebook for more fun content. Catch you next week. Cheers. Cheers.